What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to chat with you. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. Sure. Thanks for having me on here. Um, to give you a quick brief on where I'm coming from, um, I'm an engineer and I started in crypto around 2017. Um, I found some vulnerabilities in EOS and um, to stop me from hacking it, I remember I got like bug bounties um, in order to report them and then fix them. And then after that, I ended up running validators on a couple blockchains, including um, EOS and a couple others, which is kind of like Bitcoin mining um, for other coins, essentially. Um, and then after that, I built out a lot of products and um, I started angel investing in projects as well. And um, most recently, I got very interested in investing in NFTs. Um, I would say it was around this time last year, actually. Um, around September, October 2020. And I realized that it was pretty hard to research each project and figure out what was valuable, what wasn't, and what actually had liquidity. Um, because most NFT projects had very little liquidity. And um, I guess that's sort of why I started looking into building a solution for that in this space. Okay, th that is amazing. Okay, so yeah, I, I want I want to go a bit back to when you first learned about crypto. So you said that was in 2017. What was your initial reaction to crypto? Because I, I got into it from okay, I can make some money, and then after the fact, I, I dove more into okay, wow, this is actually going to be a game changing technology, and became more of like you know a, a, more of like a fanatic on that side. But what was your initial attraction to crypto? Yeah, that's a good question. Um... So for me, I started working at like startups in Hong Kong when I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, I started coding pretty early. And um, so in, in 2017, um, I was a couple of years in and I got assigned to a project by my boss um, at the time. And he was like, yo, EOS is gonna be game changing. It's gonna be the future, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, I want you to um, basically create the infrastructure, like set up nodes so that we can become like the validator rep from Hong Kong. So I was like, oh, okay, Th this sounds really interesting. So I started doing my research and then I fell down the rabbit hole, like reading white papers and so on. Um, and I guess what really drew me in um, was the community behind crypto like communities and nfts are awesome and um i think back then like all the communities were in telegram not discord and um even then like it was really cool how people created groups on their own and like started building tooling and everything on their own instead of like the company behind the project building everything out for the community so it was really interesting to see that going on as a developer, just like random people all over the world sort of working towards a similar goal and being hype about the same thing. So, yeah, that's when I realized, like, oh, I, I really want to pursue this long term. Um, I don't want it to be just like a small side project. Like, I want to really um, put all my time and effort into this and try to try to build something out in the space. So... Um, I left that company and continued to do stuff in EOS for a bit. And then um, I, yeah, just just stayed with crypto throughout the bear market and then until now. Awesome. Okay. So, see, so yeah, I, I have a question about people because I, I have some friends in Hong Kong. They are like in, in love with EOS. I mean, not anymore, but especially back, back then, like EOS was like the, the Ethereum. Like it was, it was amazing. So why do you think that, I mean, this is kind of an esoteric question, but why did people in Hong Kong like fall in love with EOS? Was there any sort of 
reason that, that you can think of or was it just like it happened to be like the hot thing at the time? I think both. It was like a hot thing at the time. But another thing was Block One, the company behind EOS, was actually based in Hong Kong. Um, not their engineers, but their um, executives were. So they were throwing massive events in Hong Kong. I remember going to one where they like booked out like the Ritz Carlton. Um, and yeah, they were just doing a lot of like roadshow type things there. And a lot of EOS investors lived in Hong Kong. So I think that's why like the hype amplified, especially there. Very cool. Okay. So tell me about the vulnerab- vulnerabilities that you found in EOS because that, that's super interesting. Were you were you purposely looking for vulnerabilities or did you just happen to, to kind of find them while you're looking up to set up these validators? Yeah, so I was like reading through the source code a lot um, back then just because I was setting up validators and like trying to build stuff in the space. And then um, I just had like a hunch of like, oh wait, like this part seems um, not really sophisticated in how it's written. Um, so I decided to just dig into that, uh, found like a fuzzer script that already existed, um, developed by a friend. And then I just basically um, switched a couple components around and then tried it. And as soon as I used it, like basically all the APIs on um, the whole network would just immediately go down and be rendered useless so i was like oof this is quite serious (laughs) so i reported it to um the block one engineering team and uh yeah that that was a fun time (laughs) i i assume you 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 got some sort of reward for that right yeah yeah um so they had like bug bounties and uh back that like back then they were giving out 10k per um like serious bugs 10k and, in usd or 10k in eos oh 10k usd okay, okay. <laughs> i wish it was in eos yeah, right. but yeah <laughs> i mean back then like it was it was massive money for me um so i was very happy to get that that's awesome okay so so basically you were you were building projects in the space and, and after kind of setting up the validators on eos and, and you were doing some angel investing on the side and then comes kind of 2020 or kind of the fall of 2020, which it was, yeah, September of 2020 was when NFTs got really hot within crypto. Cause before that they were kind of looked at this as like a side thing. Yeah. And it was really after the DeFi summer, you know, the DeFi hype started to fade. That huge DeFi crowd was, was looking at, okay, what is the next quote unquote DeFi? What is the next big market within crypto? And that crowd all went into NFTs in September, 2020. Cause I, I remember suddenly being like, oh my gosh, like what is going on? Why is everyone started, you know, started talking about NFTs. And so, so were you, is that kind of your, your, uh, entryway into the space? You're kind of just looking for, um, exciting new things or were you looking for gains or what, what was your, how, how was your, you know, kind of journey into NFTs? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So I think my first sort of exposure was when, um, one of my partners, um, well, my co-founder on Jenny Dow, Ben, told me um he thought punks were gonna pop and this was like exactly a year ago he was like i have a feeling that punks are gonna be massive and each one is gonna be worth thousands and thousands of dollars and i heard him a year ago and i was like ben there's a lot of great investment opportunities out there but this one i'm I'm really not sure about and uh he was gonna just go ahead and buy all of them up anyway um but then his wife vetoed him and he ended up not doing it. <laughs> and then soon enough, punk started going off. And uh, that was very unfortunate. But that was when I like started hearing about NFTs. I was like, okay, crypto punks. And then like did some research to OG NFTs and so on. Um, and I had heard about like crypto kitties back in 2017. But I wasn't very deep into it just yet. Um, and then I got into uh, Genesis Shards. So Genesis Shards was a project where um, you would essentially wrap fungible tokens into the form of an NFT, and then we would create a ticket NFT that would like vest the tokens over time, 
lock it up for a cliff. So basically creating like decentralized SAFs where you don't need to sign a SAFT anymore. You can just like buy a NFT on chain and like the whole vesting and everything enforcement is like fully permissionless and like you don't have to trust the team or anything in order to get your tokens at the right time. Um, so for Genesis shards, I actually built out the protocol, um, at least the version one of it. Now there's like a big development team that they've hired and um, that's continuing to develop on the protocol, but I actually built the version one. And uh, yeah, so that was sort of like, it wasn't the classic NFT that we think about, but that was my first exposure to like working with ERC 721 contracts and um, just learning about how the NFT tech stack worked. Um, and then I started playing around with OpenSea a lot more and so on. That's so cool. Okay, so so after building the version one of Genesis Shards, you were thinking, okay, there's, as you were diving deeper, you're like, NFTs are really cool. There's there's a lot, a lot can be, you know, built on top of these kind of containers, if you will. But at, at what point were you like, okay, I need to make a solution to make NFTs better? Uh, and, and what were your thoughts behind, um, what, what, what was that like better portion of, of that thought? Yeah, so... I think there were two things. There was like more of a micro problem that I saw and then like a macro view. Um, so to begin with, I was looking into like just buying some punks or just getting some exposure into NFTs in the beginning. So this was um, around end of last year. And um, for some reason, like it was just so difficult for me in the beginning to like grasp um the whole idea of like for us now we can easily talk about floor prices like rarity tools like you can see what's sort of on the spectrum like it's a little easier once you've gotten the hang of it and flipped a couple jpegs but as a beginner like the whole idea of floor prices and valuing these nfts and um also trying to like sell them if you need liquidity like you end up making a lot of mistakes right and that was me in the beginning. Um, and I realized like, wow, when I wanna sell these NFTs, um, it's really hard to do so if there's not a lot of volume on that NFT. So like when I try to list an NFT like below floor price that I can get, get out and like buy something else, um, someone else would front run me and then like put their NFT just like 0.01 ETH below. I'm like, okay. And then mine would like never sell after that. And like, I, it just like, I, I was, it was pretty difficult to um, find liquidity in NFTs. So the existing fractionalization protocols like NFTX and FTX um, had insane slippage. I believe they still have quite very high slippage where um, it's, it doesn't make sense most of the time to use them in order to um, buy an NFT or sell an NFT. So I was at a point where I was like, okay, like, there needs to be some sort of liquidity um, for NFTs so that people can gain exposure with $10, um, $100. And that's the way for it to sort of get to mass market. Um, Because when punks were around 40 grand, I was thinking, wow, like there needs to be a way for people to gain exposure to this without having to put a minimum of 40 grand. And now it's like 100 ETH. So, um, it's even higher now. Um, so that was sort of where I was coming from when I was thinking about the whole idea of like, um, fractionalization. So, um, I, I became one of the core contributors for uniquely, um, because I thought that basically that the protocol had the right idea in terms of fractionalization and um, being able to create like index funds or essentially ETFs for people to buy into. That's amazing. Okay. So could you explain from a high level, like what is Uniquely and why is it exciting? Yeah, sure. So Uniquely is a fractionalization protocol for NFTs and an exchange. Um, So people can fractionalize a single NFT 
or a group of NFTs on Uniquely. Um, and they create this token that people can buy into. So the token is a, a fraction of the collection of fractionalized NFTs. Um, so it's amazing because now you can buy into stuff like you punk or um, you beeple or you ferocious, where a lot of these pieces are quite um, expensive for typical people to access um, just because the cheapest one is extremely expensive. Um, but by having these fractionalized collections, you're able to um, gain exposure to these NFTs uh, without having to put in um, a specific amount or specific minimum at all. And another great thing is that there's a ton of liquidity on Uniquely. So people that provide liquidity get rewarded on the protocol, which is why Uniquely tends to have the least liquidity issues uh, when it comes to um, buying or selling these fractions. And um, because of that, if you want to exit a position, it doesn't take any time and doesn't take much slippage uh, for, for most collections on Uniquely. Okay, could you describe to me how, how it works exactly? Like if I'm, we, we should probably do two types of users. I'm a user that wants to fractional, fractionalize a, a basket of, of my NFTs. And then on the other side, I'm a user who just wants exposure to, let, let's say, like punks, but I can't afford, you know, the 100 ETH or whatever that, that it costs for a punk. Can you take me through both those kind of user experiences? Yeah. So if you're the person that's trying to fractionalize your amazing collection, what you would do is you would go on Uniquely, um, then you click on U-Token, which is what we call the fractions. And you essentially um, go through a process of simply deciding what your U-Token is gonna be called. So let's say you have a Bored Ape collection. You could call it U-B-A-Y-C, for example. Um, and then you drop your NFTs in and what it does is basically it wraps up your NFTs into a bundle, locks them up, and then it mints the UBAYC tokens. So now you have Bored Apes um, tokens that people can um, possibly buy or sell into. So if you want people, like outside people, to start buying or selling it on the open market, you would want to add some liquidity. So what you do is you decide a price. Okay, like you want um, one token to equal one ETH. Then you put in like, let's say 10 Bored Apes tokens and 10 ETH, and then you just add liquidity. Then as soon as you do that, people can start buying or selling your token. Um, and that distributes it to the wider community. And now you have a market um, and all of that. Um, and then the second part was someone that's trying to get exposure to CryptoPunks um, through Uniquely. So there's a UPunk collection with like 50 CryptoPunks in there. And that's one of the most widely traded on Uniquely. Um, what you would do is you simply go to the swap page. And then once you're in the swap page, you just, it's like trading on Uniswap or SushiSwap. Uh, Uniquely is actually a fork of SushiSwap. Um, on, on, on the exchange side. So what you would do is you would click ETH and then click UPunk and then you simply decide how much you want to buy and then click swap and then you would have exposure to it immediately. That's so cool. Okay, so as a user, am I able to, let's say I got like somebody together and we were, we were like, hey, we need to buy these 50 punks in this bundle. Is that possible to buy out, to buy out all the UPunks? Yeah, it is possible. So um, what, what happens is like, as soon as a fractionalized collection is created, people can start bidding directly on individual NFTs. Um, and then if the fraction holders feel like the bids are sufficient, um, they can bid to, I mean, they can vote to unlock the collection. And when a collection is unlocked, the top bidder on each NFT uh, receives the NFT. And then um, the uh, proceeds from the whole, all the top bids 
but let's say like the top bids added up to like $20 million on the punk collection. Then the $20 million get distributed uh, evenly across the U punk holders. So if you have like 10% of the supply, you would get 10% of 20 mil, like $2 million um, from the sale. So it's happened before. Um, we had the Bored Apes collection get bought out um, for $5.6 million. And this was a collection with 101 Bored Apes and 101 Bored Ape uh, Kennel Club dogs. And um, that collection actually is now on uh, Sotheby's. It's the collection being sold on Sotheby's. And uh, last time I checked, a single golden ape from that collection has a bid of $19 million on the Sotheby's auction. So um, the people that bought out that collection is definitely um, seeing some sweet profits from that move. That is um, amazing. That is insane. Yeah. Okay, wait. So, <laughs> so if I'm so, – so you mentioned like I can buy one individual – or sorry, I could bid – on one individual asset within within this uh, bundle. So w why am I bidding on one individual asset versus not bidding on the entire bundle? I, I, I'm a little confused there. Yeah, so we wanted to make sure that like um, people can value each NFT individually. Um, and also like you may be able to bid on, you may have enough ETH to bid on a single, you know, punk in the collection. But not a lot of people have the funds to be able to buy out a whole collection of 50 punks. That would require a lot of capital. Um, so basically, that's why we made it so that um, people can asynchronously bid on different NFTs that they want. And then the fraction holders can see, okay, like when, when these bids sum up to a nice amount where like the valuation is about right, um, they would vote to unlock the collection. I do think that the model could be a lot simpler in the future. So um, we actually have a lot of developers from the community, including myself, um, working together on Uniquely's version two. And uh, version two will include a lot of upgrades. So it will allow like collections to sell um, individual NFTs off to um, different uh, bidders and then be able to share those proceeds with the fraction holders. Um, and then there's also gonna be like a, a, a small small changes to the whole protocol um, and the whole buyout process. But yeah, it's gonna be super exciting. Um, it's gonna be a massive upgrade to Uniquely um, to the current model. So it's gonna be fun. Awesome, okay. So you also mentioned that that you guys suffer less liquidity issues because you you award users that are providing liquidity on Uniquely. So, could you tell me about that process and like and like I know I know you guys have the uh, Unique Unique. I don't know if it's pronounced Unique or Unique or whatever. Um, you guys have that token, and can you describe to me like what that is used for and and yeah, its purpose? Yeah, sure. So the Unique token is um, a governance token that allows people to. Uh, vote on specific things like how to spend the ecosystem faucet funds and um, which farms get how much unique allocated and so on. Um, and there's a couple other functions that the unique token has. Um, one is that uh, five basis points of all trading volume on the uniquely exchange, uh, it gets received into this fee address and then the fees get sold on uniquely to buy the unique token so there's always buy pressure on unique um, and then there's also 50 basis points of every u token minted um, so 0.5 percent also gets taken as fees and then is used to sell um, and buy unique and finally, uh, for version two, there's going to be another thing where whenever there's a sale of an NFT, um, there's going to be some fee, also configurable by the community, uh, that gets sold in order to uh, buy Unique. So all these uh, Unique that's bought, it gets distributed to people that stake Unique. Um, 
and uh, those that are staking unique into this thing called X unique, then you simply just receive more unique over time. So you earn a yield, um, just like how you yield farm on sushi swap, for example, with X sushi. And then the whole um, unique farming uh, mechanism is also similar to like how uh, other projects do liquidity mining. So in order to mint unique, what you would need to do is you would basically, let's say you have some Jenny Dow tokens or you have some Upunk tokens, then if you provide liquidity for that token, as in you pair some ETH with those tokens and then provide liquidity so that there's less slippage for the rest of the traders, um, then you, re you get to uh, stake that LP token and receive unique over time. So the APRs are like usually triple digits for most of the pools that exist on Uniquely. And um, yeah, people have been farming uh, since day one of Uniquely's launch. Awesome. Okay. So I also want to know more about Jenny Dow because I, I understand that, that uh, you, you helped create that back back when uh, Uniquely first launched. So I'd love to hear like, what is Jenny Dow and why is it exciting? Yeah. So Jenny Dow is a DAO where um, a lot of amazing people from the NFT community came together and then um, pooled funds in order to buy amazing NFTs over time. And then all the NFTs that the DAO purchases gets added to Jenny Dow's collection. And Jenny Dow's whole collection has been fractionalized on Uniquely. And on Uniquely, you can add more NFTs over time to the collection that's already been fractionalized. Uh, so basically, Jenny Dow spends funds on NFTs and then adds those NFTs to the fractionalized vault, increasing the value for you, Jenny, token holders. Very cool. So, so what was the initial thought process in in, in uh, forming this DAO? Like, well, like yeah, yeah. Because I feel like um, uniquely itself would it would have already you know is doing well and, and could have existed by itself to be uh, to to be a stellar product. And so, Jenny DAO in my mind, I, I almost see it as like a power user. Was that the initial thought of like, hey, we should make this this great user for this protocol from day one? Or what was that? What was that thought process? Yeah, yeah. Great question. So. I would say like there were a lot of people that supported uniquely um, even before it launched. And um, there were a lot of people wondering how they would be able to um, get unique tokens after the, the project launched. So the reason was because uniquely went through a fully fair launch as in there were no investors allowed to invest directly in uniquely. There was no presale. The only way you could get tokens in the beginning was to uh, liquidity mine the token, um, which means you need to provide liquidity for whitelisted collections and then you earn unique over time. So basically, Jenny Dow was created because, well, I myself wanted to be able to have a way to mine unique tokens. And uh, a lot of people did not have a lot of NFTs or at least enough to create a big enough collection on Uniquely to get whitelisted by the community. So it was really like crowdsourcing um, capital and uh, being able to bring a lot of awesome NFTs to Uniquely, which helps the Uniquely ecosystem. But at the same time, um, the people that want to get involved can get involved um, and be able to access Uniquely better by creating this DAO, contributing to it, and um, having a stake in the DAO, basically. And then you would easily get to um, mine Unique as a DAO member. Awesome. Okay, so and I, I think you guys have a, uh, or Jenny DAO has a token, a, a governance token called uh, Ugeni. Could you describe like what that token's used for? Yeah, so Jenny DAO does like snapshot voting, um, which essentially means that like, we have this portal where um, your vote is uh, has power proportional to how many tokens you hold. And um, anybody with Jenny tokens can join the DAO. So actually, I think Jenny DAO is one of the few uh, fully publicly accessible DAO 
where anybody can join the DAO by having some number of Jenny tokens, um, at least one. Um, and so anybody can create a proposal to decide, okay, like let's buy a punk or let's buy a board eight right now and so on. Um, and then everybody votes on it. If more than 50% say yes, then um, the vote goes through and we make the purchase. Um, so yeah, the token has powers to govern how we use our uh, vault of funds where we have ETH and we also have some um, remaining Jenny tokens. And um, the Jenny token holders, if, if the Jenny DAO ever sells uh, any NFTs, um, the proceeds of the sale would be shared by um, the Jenny token holders. So I would say, yeah, like if, you're, if you have Jenny DAO tokens, then you basically actually own um, a certain amount of interest within the collection, basically. What are the future plans for, for Jane Dell? Where, where do you see Jane Dell evolving in, into? Yeah, I think um, with version two of Uniquely, we'll be able to be a lot more versatile in what we do. For now, we've only been buying and collecting. Um, but I think what I've noticed is having a DAO um, and a lot of active members, uh, you actually get, get a lot of alpha from it. Um, just from the discussions you have and like there's so many people that are kind of experts and really spending a lot of time researching in the space. So I feel like the DAO will be able to, you know, be able to outperform um, really well if we could start like trading these NFTs as well um, and being flexible on um, what kind of assets we buy. So um, I think that could be pretty exciting. Another thing that I'm really excited about is the whole like curation and like uh, merging physical world and uh, the metaverse. So um, having like exhibits and museums that start showing Jenny exclusive collection and showing off for NFTs and then also bringing more people into the NFT space um, as well. And then also using uh, metaverses and games like uh, Sandbox or um, Nifty Island, where we can actually use NFTs in the Jenny collection to have our own, like, um, I guess, exhibit within the metaverse, not in the physical world. So that's a lot of things that um, excites me about the DAO's future. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we just dove really deep into Uniquely. We dove deep into Jenny DAO. I want to switch gears here and I want to talk to you about what, in your opinion, are you most excited about in the NFT space? Like what has really got your attention? That's something that you just personally think is very, very cool and exciting. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple things in terms of like classic NFTs, JPEGs. Um, I would say I got into loot um, last week and I think um, loot has a lot of potential. Uh, it, it's definitely new because, as many people have mentioned already on Twitter, uh, it's a bottom-up approach. I love the idea of community being the, the ones that built something up from scratch uh, and create value to a project instead of the project creator um, creating all the value. Um, what does worry me a little bit is there's a lot of derivatives out there and um, not all of the derivatives uh, are going to be adding value to the wider ecosystem. And when that happens, focus might get lost a little bit and so on. And um, all the developers that are building projects around it right now are building like simple tooling. Um, so it'd be good to see uh, the moment where you know a massive project gets built on top of loot to give a lot of the NFTs and tokens uh, utility. Um, but I do think this is a super interesting concept that um, I hope can grow over time. All right. So so about loot, could you like could you describe to me what kind of is it? I, it's a it's kind of a it's kind of many things, but. Um, like I, I call, kind of call it user-generated NFTs in a sense, or kind of, uh, it's almost like, yeah, this new version of user-generated content, but through a baseline NFT. Like, 
how do you describe what loot even is? Yeah, so when I when I first got into it, it was like, oh, we're buying text files now. Um, this is great. But uh, as I looked more into it, like th there's a lot more um, that I got out of it, right? So um, it's not just the text file, really. Like it really it creates a way where I guess communities and people can, um, like. Hmm, how do how do I explain this? It's like a way for people to, I guess, express like their own worlds and metaverses and like create like I guess almost a blueprint of what they believe um, could be used by a project in the future. Um, and then bootstrap this like whole collection of NFTs, it gets distributed. People are now incentivized to um, make something out of what they're holding. Um, people are incentivized to um, make this actually valuable by giving it utility. So then you have a community of people that are trying to figure out what game can I build? What world can I build? What tools can I build so that this becomes more valuable and so that this can attract a lot more people that use this asset? Um, and then I love how they like really incorporated like the idea of um, rarity curves, where you know some words, I mean some items can be worth a lot more than others because they're rarer. And then another thing was like doesn't actually have to be rare for it to become more valuable as long as the community just um, thinks that a certain asset like divine hood for example i mean divine robe for example is more valuable than um it ends up becoming like a cult almost and then there's like a sub community that that gets built out of it and yeah just the whole meme ability of it was just really amazing as well so it's a super interesting concept where you're just releasing the pure like it was just like a, a like an nft with text on it right and then exactly. out of that, like there was just an explosion of, of different activity. The reason why people are incentivized to build on uh, loot is because um, number one, it, you know, could help, help definitely help their bags, right? If they, if they have loot and that obviously helps that, but also they can add on, I've seen people launching like tokens based off of loot, uh, which exactly. I think is really yep. interesting. And then also like, like, is it better for people to develop on loot compared to make their own uh, separate project because it is basically there's like that pre-existing community already there that's highly engaged. And then also like what's going to keep people building on there? Like will, will there just be, you know, 50 der der derivative projects that, that are built on there and eventually 100 and 1,000 or whatever? Or, or do you think that there'll be some sort of plateau where like, all right, that like people have uh, had their fun and now they're going to move on to something else? Or what, what do you, how do you kind of see, it? there's a lot of questions in one, but what, what do you, what do you kind of see happening? Yeah, I think there's always like initial hype in a lot of these projects where um, people join because they want to make profit and a lot of speculators and, and usually speculators are not as loyal um, to a project. Um, but I do think this initial hype is helpful in bringing in a massive load of people. And then um, at least some of them will actually be interested and like stick long-term into the project. But what makes me more confident is the type of people that um, came into this, came into the loot ecosystem, right? It wasn't just a bunch of like random, I think, retail users, which is extremely important. But there were also a lot of thought leaders in the space that um, really jumped in and um, started supporting loot. Um, like Sushi is putting it on Onsen. Maki has been talking about it. Um, Vitalik has talked about it, Hayden Adams, founder of Uniswap, um, and a lot of like DeFi and NFT um, kings have um, definitely gotten interested in loot, which means like there definitely is some legs behind this community um, and a lot of thought leaders that can really help, I guess, shape the direction of it. Um, which is why I don't, I don't think it's something that will just simply fizzle out. And uh, I think, as you mentioned, the fact that there's a vibrant community 
behind the certain ecosystem makes it a lot more attractive for developers and people to build more things on it. Um, for example, Uniswap. Uh, there's a lot of derivatives of Uniswap, but um, Uniswap is still being used the most by, it's the most used decentralized exchange. Um, and I would also say that because Uniswap was a popular product with a lot of users in the massive community, um, when there was that whole IDO craze, um, when DeFi started taking off, like every project would start, you know, using Uniswap for it, um, just because they would be able to gain um, an organic community simply by interacting with that product. So, what would you call this category of NFTs? This is like, is this like, I don't know, user-generated NFT? Like, what do you or have you heard of other people, you know, labeling this as some sort of new category? Yeah, I think uh, like people are calling it the uh, uh, like they're calling it a bottom up model for NFTs before it's like NFT project gets created, project creators build utility, help build community and um, tooling around the whole thing. Um, now, like the, the loot line of NFTs um, essentially does it the other way around where NFT gets released community finds utility and 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 builds on top of that and uh yeah I, I don't know what else it's being called at the moment but um i do think it is definitely a paradigm shift yeah it's, it's a really cool like totally new um category almost totally new i think i think ethermore has some there's been some projects that uh that have released that have a big component of of the community building the story and building kind of different products for it but this is like literally from ground zero, so it's a really interesting model. So what other areas do you think the NFTs will expand into in terms of like these new types of categories slash models? Is there anything that uh, you've imagined or have like read about that has got you interested? Or are there any existing categories that you're just really excited about? Yeah, um, so I think it's definitely like just continuously creating um these new NFT projects, I think the level of growth that we've seen is not sustainable forever, right? Like a market that grows um, five percent each day, like there, it, it can't it can't happen forever. Um, so, what other areas can we explore that a um, can have massive value generation um, for that specific project, but also um, how can it add value to the entire ecosystem where the entire ecosystem can grow further? And um, in my opinion, this is actually NFT infrastructure. Um, it feels a lot like 2017 where there were a lot of new coins being created, but most of these new coins had grand vision and sparkly ideas. But at the end of the day, it was all promises and there was no actual utility um, for most of these tokens. And um, when the market started dying down, a lot of these tokens just went to zero. And um, with NFTs, like in order for that to not happen, and a lot of these things to actually continue to have value, I feel like there needs to be more infrastructure built around it, just like how the DeFi ecosystem was built around a couple big protocols like Compound, Aave, Uniswap, um, Wi-Fi, SushiSwap, and so on. Um, so I think we're at a point now where, um, like with NFTs, like this, this I guess ties back to um, why I, I'm bullish on Uniquely and other NFT infrastructure plays. Um, NFTs need liquidity. And in order to have liquidity, you, you need fractionalization. Um, I think NFTs can be used in DeFi, like borrowing and lending, collateral, and so on. Um, so I'm really excited about projects that are working on that. Um, I'm excited about aggregators like uh, Genie, where they're actually building, um, I would say, like a new way for people to, to gain access in and out of NFTs. Um, and this type of tooling, I think, adds a lot of value to the whole ecosystem. And then I feel like Nifty Island, for example, um, 
actually gives like it creates a world where all of our nfts may actually have more value um because it immediately gives you a bit more utility to to, to the nfts that you're holding so all of these yeah infrastructure plays I'm, i'm really interested in and um obviously i'm not sure which ones will stick and which ones will be around in in the next few years but um i think that's sort of the right direction that we should be going awesome all right so this is kind of another random question but how do you feel about these larger brands and and kind of corporations that are entering the nft space and and buying up nfts mainly for marketing purposes but what what are your thoughts on that just high level So there was a tweet from G Money where I was like, whoa, really well said. And uh, it was about the visa purchase of the punk. Um, And what he basically said was before when you spend money on marketing, um, that money is gone, right? You spend the money, you're trying to expect some, some, some sort of ROI on it. But like whatever money you spent on marketing, it's, it's an expense, right? And, um, it doesn't come back and like generate cash for you or something. Um, it's not an asset. But what happened with NFTs recently when, when Visa purchased their CryptoPunk, um, the, the whole purchase itself was uh, a massive marketing stunt where it gave them a lot of exposure. Um, but the spending that they had on the punk is not an expense really like it, it doesn't just like go away the now they have this asset called a crypto punk which i believe is probably going to rise in value over time um and so he explained how basically the marketing spend that you can have on nfts actually doesn't become a cost it's an investment as well for the company And now that investment goes into their balance sheet and in the future, it can be worth a ton more. So that was like a pretty eye-opening moment where like NFTs actually allows marketing to to be like um, an investment activity actually. Um, And uh, yeah, I I think that's super interesting. So I I agree with all that, but don't you think that that will have diminishing returns over time? Because like Visa is the first one to buy a punk but maybe if you're like the 20th company to buy a punk, it's like no one really cares anymore. It's like, okay, it's like another company buying Bitcoin. It's like, oh, whatever. Um, do you, do you th- like, how will they then kind of make the same splash and be able to uh, kind of, you know, two, two birds, one stone in the sense of advertising and marketing plus an asset on, on the balance sheet? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. Um, I guess there needs to be some more creativity as uh, we go on. Um but at the same time, if punks get even more exposure from here, and it's like just that thing where um, buying a punk is like that cool, um, just because it's so valuable, um, I think it could still have some sort of impact. But I do agree there will be some diminishing marginal returns. Um, I'm curious what you think, because I feel like on, on the marketing side, um, I'd say like, you're one of the best marketers that um, and and great investors in the space. Like, how do you see that happening? Oh well, well, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah, so I don't, I, you know, I don't know is, is the short answer. Um, I do think that we're going to see a lot more. Um, every, the amount of people that we're talking to, in terms of whether they be, they be individuals at large companies or people representing large companies, um, it spans the entire you know, kind of spectrum of, of business, right? You have social media people, you have, you have uh, fashion people, you have uh, kind of traditional financial people. Um, so, I mean, everyone is paying attention to the space right now. And it, NFTs are just, they're just a, a tool that they're, they're just a container. The amount of stuff that you can put inside an NFT can range from a piece of art to like a heavy duty financial contract. Um, so it, it's, it's broadly applicable to like almost every industry. Uh, sorry, almost every industry. So, so we're going to see just an explosion of, of kind of more people building, but also more more companies and kind of larger, yeah, quote unquote, larger institutional participants entering and doing different things. So, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm just excited. I, I don't know. I think you're right. Like you're gonna have to get they're, they're gonna have to get more creative. We're gonna have to get more creative. 
And uh, but like to 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 think that we're t- we're we're in 2021 and Visa has bought a punk. Just imagine what what it's going to be like in 2023 or 2025, you know, five or whatever. Like it's going to get a lot crazier in, in my opinion. So yeah, I, I I didn't really answer your question there, but I just I I, I can see that we are still at the very start and it's going to get much weirder and, and more fun. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I'm just so excited about like what the next few years will have for this space. Like the amount of progress that has been made between last year, this time and now. Oh my gosh, huge. Like, yeah, like a whole ecosystem has literally been built. Well, there was already an ecosystem starting before, but like just the like the amount of amazing projects that are out there now it's oh, yeah. just amazing yeah. it's, it's totally nuts okay so speaking of like the next few years what are your this is another big question what are your general thoughts on the metaverse like is, is that where we're all headed to like what is the metaverse i i love to hear um yeah i think the metaverse is really bringing out like the dreams that we had as a kid um I was like, I'm a Gen Z, so like growing up, I was playing a lot of video games and like just always imagine sort of like a, a really digital world where um, everything is interconnected and um, like Ready Player One was probably one of my favorite movies. So I guess just like um, just personally, like it's so cool to see all of this happening. Um, where is the metaverse going to go? Um I mean, I feel like, like, this is why I think these worlds and games like Nifty Island and um, Decentraland Sandbox is really cool because I feel like eventually there's going to be a lot bigger communities and um, a lot more users that get pulled into these types of worlds. And um, it's going to also be a feeder into like bringing those people out to the NFT space and like looking at all the other projects that exist. Yeah, basically what what we just kind of said before previously, it's like there's gonna be a lot more building, a lot more uh, connectivity to different projects, people, uh, more entrance, more capital. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's good. Basically, just like more of, of everything. Yeah, and it's all yeah. gonna be connected in in some weird way that we it's like hard to to, to describe really. Yeah, definitely. And oh yeah, one thing I wanted to mention was right now NFTs are mostly art pieces, um, but I think what's super interesting is using nfts as financial assets um i think once that starts happening um nfts could become really a trillion dollar asset class and um i I think like this is sort of different i guess uh, on how nfts are being currently used now like in terms of like the metaverse but like when Uniswap V3 came in and like started representing liquidity positions as NFTs, it sort of showed like the wealth of opportunities in the DeFi space where NFTs can start being used. Um, obviously with Genesis shards, we've built stuff where it's like SAFs being used as NFTs. Um, but other things like liquidity mining rewards um, could be given with some sort of vesting and can be represented as NFTs. Um, staking rewards and then like basically over time like most of DeFi, like compound um compounds lending positions or something could be represented as uh nfts and so on so i think like there's so much more to be done there uh, where DeFi can start merging more with nfts and then also nfts that are being used in order to um reward and incentivize early community members like the stuff that Galaxy did with uh, Yearn, um, I think is really cool. And more and more, I think like just NFTs will be used even in like the real world, um, maybe concert tickets, uh, maybe in the real estate market. Like there's just so many things where I feel like NFTs will be able to infiltrate and um, we're only at the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, I, I, I could not agree more. I, I, I always say like today, NFTs are mostly, you know, collectibles, art, video game items, which, you know, is nothing to laugh at. Like that, that is a multi-hundred billion dollar a year market, right? J- just right yeah. there. But then when you look at what NFTs will will enter, what what they will kind of, you know, eat, what, what type of markets, you're talking about financial markets, which are 
multi hundreds of trillions, and there's going to be property titles, royalties, you know, IP, um, all sort of kind of financial contracts in, in general. Um, it's going to be it's going to be crazy. And and you pointed out perfectly, like we are just at the very start. These things are just kind of bubbling up to the surface now. And uh, and yeah, it's it's going to get a lot more fun. Awesome. Well, I I, I want to switch gears and, and talk to you about uh, kind of your your team and talk about your kind of your your marketing strategy. You know, just, just more about the, the uniquely or, or Jenny Dow as as a as an entity. And uh, yeah, so t- tell me, like, what what does a team currently currently look look like at at uh, at uh, at uniquely? Yeah. So for uniquely, um, we've got. We actually recently had a um, project come in um, saying that they wanted to provide a lot of value to the project. So they made an ecosystem proposal, which went through. But basically, we, we get a lot of developers from that project um, working on Uniquely full time. And um, so basically, that kind of doubled our development team. So now we have like a good development team, about um, six devs, and then we have um, two designers. And um, so I'm one of the devs. Uh, and then on the operation side, we've got um, two people. And then we've got four people now on marketing. So all very recent hires. Um, a lot of hiring going on for, for Uniquely. Um, and then on the JennyDAO side, there really isn't like a um, core like marketing team or um, anything like that. It's really um, DAO members that are incentivized to sort of help the DAO. Um, we have a lot of active members who aren't like full time, just Jenny DAO, uh, but people that are contributing a lot and um, helping decide what to purchase and so on. Um, and then we do have for uh, uniquely, I believe, uh, two marketing agencies that are helping out as well. So yeah, I think I think we've got the right team to really start making a big push, um, and I, I do hope that um, with V two coming out with a lot more um, amazing features and uh, marketing pushes that we'll do, we'll be able to attract a lot more people from the from the space. Awesome. Okay, so so what is the you know grand five ten year vision for for everything that that you're currently working on? Like, where, where do you want to be in five or ten years? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. Um, yeah, so I think I, I definitely want to be part of like a massive movement where um, a project that I'm part of, that I helped build, um, can really go mainstream and be used by the wider community. I think like it feels awesome when you see people using something that you built or helped build and um, enjoying it and saying that it really adds a lot of value to their life. I I think that's sort of um, when you realize it's all worth it as a developer in this space. Um, So I think that's where um, I would want to be. And another thing would be like, I want to get to a point where um, I can really I, I could have enough capital to basically support any of my friends um, and what they want to build or like what they want to start up basically. Like I want to be able to support um, the people that like helped me along the way um, when I needed it. And then also just like when they have a new project that they want to do, or if they want to build something like I, I'd be able to support them, like even with no strings attached, you know, um, and I also want to continue just investing in this space. Like, I think I would want to be around always and um, stay on top of what's hot in the market. And um, yeah, just con- continue to um, recycle what I've gotten from this amazing experience and then be able to give back to the space and um, help help grow it further. Amazing. That That, that is awesome. I, I love that. All right, Jay, ready for the closing questions? Sure. Yep. Awesome. All right. What is your single favorite NFT that you own? Um, favorite NFT that I own? I would say 
CyberKong. I have a Genesis CyberKong, um, and it's so cool. It, it generates bananas. Um, if I told this to my parents or my girlfriend, they would, they would think I'm so stupid. But it sounds stupid, but it's amazing because it's a yield-generating NFT where each day it generates like 10 bananas, and then um, you can sell it for like money, or you can keep it and like breed baby Kongs and stuff. But yeah, like so, I, I love NFTs with utility or like that that can generate yield and, and so on. And the the Genesis Cyber Kong is one of those, so I love it. Love that. All right, what is your most controversial thought relating to crypto or NFTs? Um, controversial thought. Um, I think like very soon. Uh, a lot of NFT projects, especially the ones where like it's just JPEGs with like sort of a copy of another project and um, with very little utility, I feel like a lot of them will either crash or end up having no liquidity and no buyers. Um, so I think like I'd be very prudent in what kind of places to allocate money and make sure to like do due diligence on who the creators are and also like what kind of people are in that community of holders. Love that. All right, if you could snap your fingers and instantly change or improve one thing in the crypto or, or NFT ecosystem, what would it be? Um, I would say like less noise and less um, pump and dump scams slash speculators. I feel like it really takes away from the focus of building value um and advancing the ecosystem when short-term um cash grabbers try to create a quick clone that they they, they don't plan on actually building out over over time it's really just like they want to quickly ride the market launch something make profits and then dump on retail basically and what this does is it actually takes money away from the space that that could be used to developing more and um, building out amazing solutions and instead just um, gives it to someone who are looking to exit very quickly. I love that. that, that, that that's awesome. All right. Who, who is someone in or outside of crypto that you look up to and why? Um, I think there's a couple people uh, that I definitely look up to in crypto um i'd say guys like uh santiago um gives amazing advice um all the time he's like the wise man um i, I definitely who, look sorry up to who, who, who's who's santiago santiago Raul. i mean okay he used to be at para five but um he, he's super active in um nfts as okay, awesome. well as uh DeFi, but yeah, like just always get a lot of great advice from him. Um, my friends, like I would say the loud twins. I mean, just the amount of research they manage to churn out each day is just crazy. Um, the amount of alpha I can get from them. Um, I'd say like Ben, my partner on a lot of projects, um, Ben Ramieux, and then um, a, a lot of like Jenny Dow investors um that i've managed to get very close with um including yourself andrew and um just there, there's so many great people that um uh, like are supporting jenny dow and this whole ecosystem and um i think yeah like they've they've definitely been been super helpful awesome i love that love that all right last question where do you see the nft ecosystem in three years where do I see the NFT ecosystem? Um, yeah, I think as I as I mentioned before, there will be a lot. There there will be a couple like NFT infrastructure primitives that um, are being used by a lot more people in the ecosystem. Um, that sort of creates the foundational building blocks of the space. Um, that manages to create a lot more bridges between NFT and DeFi and really builds up NFTs into a massive trillion dollar asset class. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jay, this has been amazing. I, I loved hearing about your background. You, you have such a, an insanely cool background. And also hearing about how you, you saw kind of a problem in the, in the 
NFT space and you decided, you know what, I'm going to go build something and go, and go do something about it. That is super inspiring. And, and what you built uh, is, is incredible and it's going to get even, even crazier. I'm super excited for that. If people want to find out more about yourself, find out more about Unically or Jenny Dow, where should they go? What should they do? Um, yeah, so I would say Twitter is probably one of the best places. Um, there's Jenny Metaverse for Jenny Dow. And then there's uh, Uniquely NFT. Um, and then for websites, I guess you'll probably leave the links. Um, it's like unique.ly and then jennynft.io. Um, so yeah, I, I think if you guys are interested, check it out. Um, and thanks for having me here. Awesome, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on. L looking forward to chatting again. Cheers. Thank you so much. See ya. Hey, everyone. Stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.